What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Soul with C.F. Smith. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Hello friends, welcome. You're listening to the Blue In Green Podcast. My name's Imran. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We have a super exciting show today. Uh, This is episode 7 and this is part 2 of our live musical experience conversation. If you remember in uh, episode 3, I believe, Dan, TJ and myself uh, sat down to discuss those unrivaled, magical, never-to-be-repeated musical experiences that we uh, each had and uh, part two is kind of those experiences that we probably wish we didn't have uh those kind of missed opportunities those um those experiences that maybe didn't live up to expectations it is all in good natured and all in good fun uh certainly don't want to put out any negative vibes or anything like that so it, it is all in good uh good fun so i hope you'll enjoy the show and uh our chat and um <laughs> all the laughs that come with it uh so yeah that's gonna come in uh, just a few minutes time just a quick uh couple of housekeeping bits if i may uh, as i said this is the blue and green podcast we run in conjunction with the uh blue in green radio the online internet 21st century soul jazz funk latin hip-hop uh radio station you can check us out at www dot blueingreenradio.com you can listen to us via the tune in app and um We've got a whole host of radio directories. These podcasts you can hear via SoundCloud, you can hear via uh, Spotify, um, you can hear us just again anywhere you can hear a podcast. We're there, so we'd greatly appreciate you checking us out. Thank you very, very much for for doing so. Uh, as I said, it's a very cool episode today. Uh, the way these podcasts work is that uh, I'll pick an opening number and um, our guest will pick the closing song. Dan is going to pick our closing song on the show today. Uh, Before we do I have an addendum to something that we say in the show and this is certainly something I never envisaged having to uh, announce (laughs) during a podcast but just as a small correction to something that we discuss in the actual show it will be explained a little bit later. I won't go into the explanation now. It, if you hopefully you'll continue listening, and this will become clear. But um, uh, M, regarding MC Hammer, who is raised in the musical discussion today, um, his first album was called "Let's Get It Started" in 1988. His second album was "Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Them," and now that's the album that featured "You Can't Touch This," released in 1990. And his third album was called "Too Legit to Quit." released in 91 i'll say no more it's all these i've given you the answers the questions are stated (laughs) during the show i think we state them in the incorrect order so it's probably best to correct it now there you go uh thanks very much um i'm gonna pick my song as we said uh this is about the song choice portion of the show so i'm gonna pick my my pick and i i was a bit stuck actually on what to pick uh but i'm going to pick a song uh, it's, it's the artist who's predominantly being selected in this case. Uh, this is someone who I'm, I'm super lucky. Uh, I think living in London, I've seen so many of my heroes, and um, I've, yeah, it, it's been an incredible. I've been incredibly fortunate to see the amount of people I have. So I'm, I don't, I never look past it. But the one person who I really genuinely wish I really could have seen um, it would have been near impossible because we'd have to go back about 40-50 years for me to have seen them in in their absolute prime and heyday was James Brown and I think he had uh, just an incredible band so many names from Maceo Parker to Fred Wesley Pee Wee Ellis, uh, Bobby Bird so many names who went on to have their own careers and uh, uh, just have you know just to be part of such stunning music 
as well, the JBs, of course, and uh, he, I would have given anything to see James Brown in his absolute prime and heyday, and uh, uh, just with the, the all-star band that, that backed him for so many years. So, uh, for James Brown, I'm going to pick uh, I'm a Greedy Man. We'll go straight to that song, and then when we return, uh, you'll hear the, the second part of our conversation uh, by Dan, TJ, and myself. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in, gang. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Pick up on this! Pick up on this! He's 
Tell us about his least favorite gig, not his worst gig, because you've not oh. been to any, apparently. Well, see, yeah. So, like, I think I was saying to you before uh, we kicked off, like, kind of, I was going through like a, as much as I can remember of all the gigs that I've been to, and I've, I've been to maybe I've not been to that many gigs compared to a lot of people, but thinking back across them. I can't, it was, it was really tough for me to go, I went to that gig and I didn't have a good time because the artist was rubbish or they didn't turn up or um, the crowd were aggro or yada, yada, whatever it is. Um, but I would, so to flip it around, um, I actually thought to myself, okay, which venue do I like the least? Uh, which music venue do I like the least? Because I went to a few around, a few around town. And um, for me, the O2, um, I went to see France and Machine at the O2. And France was great. The vocals were incredible. Show was amazing. You know, vibe was great. I just don't like that venue for a music concert. Um, I feel like it's great for. Um, little cheap pub for wrestling but it's great for wrestling um i think it's great for basketball i've been seeing atp tennis there you know for sporting events for big kind of arena events is great but for music it just you know plus i was up in the nosebleeds as well so i just felt too detached from it all um well i think if, so, if i may interject i think that's the problem with it um yeah a lot of people think you can go to the O2 and you can literally just sit anywhere. But I yeah. think there's only there's only very specific sections. Obviously anyone on the ground anywhere standing, anywhere in the kind of, you know, the 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 immediate um that first tier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you are yeah. right. As soon as you get to a um a certain height, a certain level um in that arena that the drop off of the sound is is just horrendous, it's, and it's not just that as well. It's it's you know I'm watching the whole concert through the screens on either side of the eyes. I'm not actually looking directly at the artist, and 
you know, when it gets to that sort of point, it's like, what's the point? I may as well just be watching this on MTV or whatever. So I'd say that was probably one of the gigs that, well, or probably one of the gigs that I enjoyed the least. And that's purely because of venue. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, dear. It sounds like you hate Florence. Florence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's all I'm hearing. Poor I Florence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, it could be, but I actually saw her again at Ali Pali, and that was great. So uh, I have nothing against Florence. I saw her she. at Somerset, uh, Somerset House. Um, is that the one by Strand? Oh, yeah. I saw her yeah, there. She, yeah, I loved her. I thought she was excellent. Yeah. yeah, I saw her at Love Box. Just to, you know, throw myself in the mix of who's in. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're, we're the Florence and the Machine fan club. This is. <laughs> She's the only person out of ten names that we've all seen. We've all seen, yeah. But, but two, actually, that, that's a, that's a good that's a good one. Actually, we should we should do a, a canvas of us all, or we should have done before the shows to see like which artists we've all seen. Um, that is concert. a good one. Uh, obviously, Florence, we know, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see which other artists we've. I'll throw one out there on the off chance. I, I reckon you guys might have seen. I'm sure Dan has, but the Killers. No, oh, oh no! I thought I might see uh, a Hyde Park thing, but I don't think they were at the one I went to. Once I saw the, yeah, yeah I saw the Killers at O two. It's probably by right. the third, no, second or third album. Third album, I think. So yeah, they were big, but I'm guessing Dan saw them like early days. I I really don't know. Um, no. I actually got dragged to see them. I went to see them with my girlfriend before she was my girlfriend. So they did a lot of their, their hits, but I don't know what, where on the timeline that was. Oh, have either of you seen De La Soul? Yes. No. Oh, you haven't seen them in Man? No, I haven't, no. Uh, yeah, I've seen De La Soul as well. So. Jazz Cafe? Yeah. Uh, yes. Ooh, was just coming? Yes, it was just coming. We could have been at the same gig. Possibly. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, have we all yeah. seen Wu Tang Clan? Nope. I think uh, to echo uh, what we said earlier, my the number of considering my love for hip hop, I've only seen um, De La Soul, Far Side, and um, the Great. I mean, let's just take a moment here. The neither of you will ever be able to top this one, but I've also seen the great MC Hammer Whoa. in concert. Amazing! I mean, no one can top that. Uh, front row tickets. Um, nearly got killed by his mechanical hammers that were swinging wildly above the stage. He had, um, he had, so I'll just tell you the story real quick. So they had above, like, directly above the stage, I had these uh, hammers on. I'm, I'm doing the action with my hands here, like you can see what I'm doing. But um, he had these hammers that were on, mechanical hammers, there were like six, I think, of them, going up and down, up and down, like, alternately. And whenever he was singing a tune, they'd go up and down, up and down, and they'd stop when he, um, when he stopped singing. And I think at the end of the... With the end of the gig, he did like a big ensemble tune, and they were going nuts. And they were going really, really fast. And then when they, and then when they stopped, the momentum of them just kept going. So everyone in the front row could just see these hammers looking like they were going to go flying off into the, into the, into the crowd. So <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, mm, I think I'm just going to leave now because this was really dangerous. Um, but yes, hammer was awesome. That that's that's very cool. Genuinely very cool that you could say that you were there. Like so with obviously this is you I think you said it was his first album or something. No. Uh yeah, this is so this is um this is when you uh You Can't Touch This came out. So Yeah, that's second probably, album. Second album, sorry, that's my bad. Album, my bad. But yeah. <laughs> um, wait, you can't yeah. touch this was his second album. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I no it was uh Please Hammer Don't Hurt him, right? Oh well, well, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was really, really awesome. I remember having a, a great time. I did have a program as well, but I lost that. It's been lost to the ether now, unfortunately. Oh, that's very cool. How come you've not been? Yeah, you've not been to many hip hop gigs. Well, and um, who would you like to see out of interest? I, I don't know. 
to be honest, why I've not seen, why I've not been to many hip hop gigs. I think um, I'd probably like to see someone like just trying to think. Uh, Pete Rock's Hell Smooth. I'd love to see them um, if they came over and did some of their old stuff. Um, Buster Rhymes maybe would be uh, good fun. Um, uh, the Roots. I had a chance to see the Roots last uh, when they came over last this year, um, and I missed out on it unfortunately. Um, yeah, the Roots actually would probably be top of the list to see them live. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those. Things. I just like you know if I rang you down through a list of like if you looked at my Spotify or anything like I I my taste vary really really wildly um hip-hop i'd say is probably my first love but you know i like so much different stuff and you know i i, I think it's just one of those things where it's just by chance or whatever i've just not got around to many hip-hop gigs or just not at the at the time when the person's come over been like yeah i don't really fancy it or whatever but yeah i mean yeah, I, I I don't I don't re- even really have an answer to that to be honest. It's just I've I've gone to see people that at a time when I was in the mood to see them or they happened to be there and I guess maybe that's just kind of lent itself towards me maybe being a bit selective and then ended up having ended up seeing a lot of gigs that I really liked. So yeah. All right, I'm gonna jump in with my I don't know how to describe it. It's probably the weirdest, the most uncomfortable gig that i've ever been to it goes back to about i think 2004 i think it's around that um does is any, do any of you know uh the uh sort of r&b neo soul vocalist called bilal oh i've heard the name he's uh he uh he, he's he's been going for like i don't know since mega late 90s um he's done lots of stuff he's been on the last couple of uh kendrick lamar albums uh as well um he's uh he's he's excellent he's done lots of stuff with the roots he was sort of tipped as the guy that would sort of carry on from d'angelo um he was a he was a big name he's done lots of stuff with erica badu again lots with the roots dilla etc so he's you know he had all the credentials in the world his first album came out on interscope i think in like 2001 i was a really big fan of it and uh he played the jazz cafe so it was like his first i guess his first london gig and he starts off and he's very lackluster in how he's singing um and there were lots of reports like when you read interviews by him and reviews like he's apparently an exceptional live performer he you know gives himself to the moment and it's a very spiritual thing for him so i was really excited but I, I wasn't seeing this you know after about three or four songs it was very lazy very lackadaisical and then after about three or four songs he so this is pre-smoking ban but uh what he, he did he's he lit a cigarette and he turned his back to the audience and smoked the whole cigarette while the band just quietly jammed and that's that's a wegamit you're talking five six seven minutes where he's just smoking a cigarette with his back to the audience. So, like, that's weird. Um, not, uh, not, not wanting to get you in any sort of trouble, but are we sure it was a cigarette? In very common. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> kind of sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Could it, it, could it smell a little bit fruity? <laughs> well, I well, remember you said the word fruity for a little bit later, because that's where we, we're going to get there. Hang on. But... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some other substance involved in what happened on this night. But he smokes his yeah. cigarette, and then he, um, he, he, you know, he kind of, yeah, maybe it was something else because then he relaxed a bit. But he kind of started to, he got more into his gig. And then there's on his album, there's like this seven minutes, amazing track, uh, it's a seven minute track called Sometimes, and it gets really you know excitable near the end of the song so he starts doing this song and he's for the first time in this gig now he's starting to get like a bit of energy and during this sort of crescendo of the song he he's getting really animated and he falls down and a lot of people just burst into laughter because he fell but this completely like kills his vibe and now he gets up and like he smacks the like the the backing singers, the mic stands, he knocks them over, like from embarrassment, I guess, or anger, and he storms off. 
and everyone's like oh my god like that was weird then the band leave their positions and they huddle on the stage like i guess they're saying oh crazy Bilal's lost it again what do we do now so they decide to carry on so the backing singer takes the lead and sings an old faith evans song i think it was like used to love me or something so they do that Bilal's gone this is you know bizarre at this point we're about 30 40 minutes into the show after about 10 minutes he resurfaces onto the stage and he says i'm back mother effers and everyone's like oh shit (laughs) i don't know what you're gonna do next and then he he, it was the weirdest thing and then it culminates in he's he's removing it layers of his clothing throughout and he's now to a point where he's completely topless and he I don't, I don't remember the circumstances around it, but there's a moment where he's lying on the floor with his hand down the front of his trousers and he's eating a peach on stage. And he's likening this peach to an act. And he says, <laughs> I want you... He's talking to... Oh, I don't know how graphic I, I'm going to get, but he says, I want you to sit on my face i'm gonna have to cut this bit out and he goes oh and then he's he's moaning while he's hands down his pants and he's eating the peach and he got more graphic with his descriptions and that was probably the weirdest gig i've ever been to and i've never been able to really i've never bought an album of his since and uh and i i've never really been able to invest in him since that moment either well damn (laughs) (laughs) So Dan, top that one, mate. He can top that. <laughs> I think I can. Jeez. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, okay, that, I, that, actually, that... just to save, if I can just quickly, if I can just save Bilal for a moment, he did one of the coolest things, though, by, by the end of the gig that I've ever seen, in that he replaced the whole band with members of the audience. And I thought that was mega. Like, he would say, who can play piano? And then oh, someone okay, put their yeah. hand up and he put him, who can play drums? And then they, he, he subbed them. He got singers on stage. And I thought that was incredibly cool. What an incredible moment. Sure, that must have been. Sure, that's a bit, sure, that's a bit dangerous though. You just get some random judge. like, yeah, I can play drums. Fuck it. Yeah. Sorry. Who's going to be weirder <laughs> than the guy on the stage though? No one's going to top <laughs> that. Like... That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, there, that there was, was the, my most surreal gig. There was a, that's, a, that's, that's incredible. Um, where, <laughs> Dave Grohl, because Dave Grohl was always getting people in off uh, from the crowd to play. Oh, is like, this the one that went viral the other day when he got the guy up on and he absolutely shredded? Well, uh, was it? Well, in this case, it was a, it was a quite a young kid. And oh right, okay. Just wouldn't leave the stage. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, it, it never. It didn't get nasty or anything, but it, it did get a bit awkward because they were like, "How? How do we?" You know, with, without physically dragging this kid off on the stage, how do we, how do we actually get him to, to leave so that they just, can carry on? Just toss, just toss him off onto the third, first row. That's all. Wait, sorry, hold on, sorry, Fraser, hold on. Throw him off the stage onto the first row. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so was he was yeah, he playing yeah. something, or he just yeah, no, he invaded think, the stage, or? No, he was playing guitar right. and he was playing it well, but um, yeah, obviously it's time to end. Yeah, <laughs> you only have so much fun in that segment. Right, it's supposed to go on twenty minutes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the thing. That's the danger. Though. That's what I mean. It's like you know, it's the cool idea in principle, and if someone goes off and absolutely kills it, like um, that guy did with um, I don't know if you guys saw the video that went around of the guy that goes on with uh, I think it was with Foo Fighters. Yeah, with Foo Fighters, some guy came on and just absolutely crushed it. Um, And but if you like, you say with that kid, you get someone that comes up and just kind of just doesn't leave. It's like, how do you get rid of this person without looking like a real dickhead? (laughs) You know what I mean? Average. So Dan, what else have you got? I'm quite scared now. (laughs) No, yeah, he said it was worse. What you got? Um, 
to, to be fair, uh, this wasn't actually a bad gig. So musically, performance-wise, in terms of going to see a gig, seeing, uh, experiencing the music and the songs you wanted to hear, there wasn't anything wrong with it. There was just one really bizarre incident. Um, so this was, oh, I can't actually, I should have researched uh, when this was. But th- as far as I know, this was the first time a band called Tomahawk played in London. Now, Tomahawk is a band fronted by the Faith No More singer Mike Patton with members of the uh, another rock act called uh, The Melvins. So they're in the Astoria, which obviously, as, as everyone knows, due to Crossrail, no longer exists. And it's a fairly grimy venue. Um, and, yeah... Probably, I would say, almost halfway through the gig. Uh, It's a fantastic set. Um, uh, I was crushed up against the very front. Um, And, you know, it was was a packed venue, sold out. And, yeah, everyone was into the music. Um, And it was really strange because I remember looking up and I could see Mike Patton fumbling around in his trousers while he's singing. Now, bear in mind, he's not missing a note. The song's carrying on. And I'm like, what is he What is he doing? But then I just didn't really think much of it because he's a fairly strange uh, guy anyway. But the next, next second, I realise he's actually got little Mike in his hand. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So he's standing there. You know, with his, with his lad out in his hand, and I'm like, what, "What's going on here?" And then I kind of like, and he, he he's been drinking a pint of water for the last sort of ten minutes as well. <laughs> that in, and he's been really right. drinking a lot of water. Presume it's water. I mean, it looked like water. Could be vodka. Um, and then suddenly, um, <laughs> he 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 gets to the front of the stage, still with little Mike in his hand. And starts pitting. Now he's not pitting mm. into the audience as such because there's there's a few barriers in the way. And in you know in the in the, the there's a press pit. So he's basically pissing on anyone who's in that press pit, like photographers and and it's just like and you've never seen an entire audience move back so fast <laughs> in your life. Whoa and. And we don't, and no one knows to this day why he did it. Was it a protest thing? Because I've seen him, I've seen him in probably a good, a good twenty or yeah, about twenty-five other uh, concerts. And what, I was before like, that point or after that point? Before and after. Um, oh, you continued going. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I mean, um, it was actually a lot, a lot longer after that. I think. Oh no, I, I saw him in a, in a, in a um, he, he did a, he did a concert uh, called with the band called Peeping Tom, which actually had loads of different hip hop artists like Rozelle and um, I'm trying to think. Uh, than the automator and things like that with him. But yeah, th- th- this was the one and only time I've seen him do this. He got banned from the Astoria, funnily enough, afterwards, <laughs> and they tried to sue him. Um, but yeah, to this day, I- I've never had an explanation about why that happened, why he did it. Um, because it it certainly wasn't just rock and roll behavior for the sake of rock and roll behavior. Like there was never the sense that this was just some really screwed up showmanship. He he definitely was angry about something. And yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything uh, quite like that um, ever since. Wow. Um, And I mean, even being able to do that live on stage on command, I think is pretty impressive. I so, mean, let's face it, so, could you? Was that the beginning of a series? So I guess that wasn't the beginning of a series of weird things that he did in that gig. It was just he did it and carried on. Yeah, he did it. He, he wow. little Mike went went back in his uh, went back in the old trousers and 
And yeah, as I said, he didn't miss. It's not like he stopped singing. It's not like anything about the gig stalled or he didn't then go off in a rage afterwards. He just did it, carried on like nothing had happened. Well, when you got to go, you got to go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an understanding attitude. You know, I like that. <laughs> If if he'd have turned and gone, sorry guys, I'll be back in five minutes. He'd have got booed off the booed out of the building. But you know, being the professional that he is, he powered through, did his thing. You guys didn't get didn't miss a beat. You know, if you weren't in the front row, you you know, fair enough. There were a few people in the front row that would have affected. If you were way off in the back, you would have known any different. He's just singing his thing. So yeah, good on him, I say. More I should do that. <laughs> It's easy if Florence had done that at the O2, it might have been one of your favourite gigs. She probably did. She's mental, so she probably oh, did no. she was walking around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a second one, which is uh, less rock and roll. Um, oh, what is it? So do you guys, are you, have you heard of a band called Eels? Yes. Eels? The Eels. Yeah. The Eels. They did Nova King for the Soul. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So they, they were a band, uh, obviously, I think they were big in the early North. Great tune, by the way. Yeah. And they, they've had, you know, they've had many good albums. And I thought, okay, uh, they were at Brixton Academy, and this is the first opportunity I've got to see them. And I, I was really excited about it. If, if I recall, I think the tickets weren't, were pretty expensive as well. And. I rocks up, and he, he's obviously, so the lead singer, I, d- I don't know who, apart from the lead singer E, makes up the band The Eels, but um, he he had a full um, band with him. And as they started off, they kind of did a couple of, of vaguely familiar recent songs. And then they started doing covers, and then they started doing... Um, almost like covers of their own songs, <clears throat> putting their own songs to different, putting the lyrics of their own songs to different songs, like <laughs> taking some of the most famous and iconic songs um, from the, the the first album, uh, "Beautiful Freak," which has Novocaine for uh, for the soul on it, and they were taking them yeah. to to the to the chords of "Sweet Home Alabama." And there was things like this, and there was. I remember I got through the entire gig, and I think I heard three songs that I knew, and one of those songs was obviously uh, set to different music. And he spent so much time doing covers and, and country songs, and uh, and jamming with his with his band on stage. And I, I just came out of it thinking, so I literally got to see nothing in terms of. <laughs> What I wanted, you know, the, what I wanted that experience to be was completely redundant. I, I, I could have just not gone and I would have yeah. been no no worse off. Oh, they sound like a treat. I'll look out for them. <laughs> I'm the thoughts of the kidneys. I don't think I've heard, I've, I've looked at set lists for other gigs they've done since. And, you know, it's not like that seems, to, you know, it seems to be the exception, not the rule. I think I just really got... Yeah. Uh, it was just really unlucky, but um, I mean, yeah. I think we've all, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know, TJ, you seem to have had more luck than Imran and I, but I'm sure we've all been in situations where you go and see a band and they focus on their, their new album um, mm. and their new music, which in some cases just, well, well, A, you might not have grown to love it in time and the audience might not be familiar with it. So therefore, they're kind of like, well, you know, we, we sort of don't mind listening to it, but at the same time, we're not, we, we want to hear the songs we know and love. And it, and it gets a bit awkward. Like, for example, I saw Stone Temple Pilots uh, again at Brixton Academy. God, it sounds like I should have a membership uh, <laughs> to that place. And the funniest thing I've ever seen was the contrast between when they did their new material, which was a really terrible album. And all that old material, because it had been something like 15, 15, 20 years since they'd last been in the UK. That might be an exaggeration, but it's not far off. So there's all these rabid fans who want to hear the classic songs. And every time they did the classic songs, it was a sellout. The entire place went mental. 
And then they do a song from the new album and everyone would just go go to bed and go and get a pie and fall asleep. It was it was so awkward. And you could look at you could the atmosphere just dive bombed. It was just it was so awkward for that back. I mean that's that's exactly what I was touching on earlier. It's you know, it's same with Jamaicois. It's um you know, it's and I'm surprised I I can understand, you know, the the difficulty that they must have in terms of, you know, especially if they if they're an artist that have been around for years and years and years and years, and they've had like one or two tracks of theirs that were huge, and they're the ones that everyone wants to sing along to, and you know they're the ones that they're most famous for. But then they've got a new album that they want to be like push out, and especially it's something that it's something that they really love themselves. You know, they they want to play their new stuff and they want people to hear it and to appreciate it, but. You know, it's, I think there's it's a real careful balancing act, and like I said, I've been fortunate enough in that. You know, Jamaica got it just about right. Um, went to the uh, perfect circle the other day, and they got that just about right for their gig as well. In terms of, you know, because I'm not a massive fan of their new album, but the tracks on their new album that I do like, they played, and then they played a lot of their classic stuff that I was really, really, really hoping they would play. I think there was only one or two tracks that they didn't play that I. Um, which I was a little bit sad about, but for the for the most part, they got that balance just right. So whereas, like you say, Saints of the Pilots obviously perhaps didn't quite get that strike that balance right enough for the crowd. Yeah, well, I think I think it was unfortunate with them because unfortunately, yeah, their, their new album it, it was it was dreadful. Um, so <laughs> I think it was the first album that they'd done with the, uh, the, their lead singer um, Scott Wyland. Um, in in probably a very very long time because I'd only just got back together. So so yeah, it 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 was just awkward. But you are right. There are so many gigs that you see and you hear you hear famous things like Radiohead wouldn't play Creep anymore, and that there's plenty yeah. of artists who won't play certain songs because they're just sick of playing them and they they you know. You know, I I, I I I struggle with that. When I like, I've heard that from a few guys before, and I struggle with that really badly because, I mean, I I can I I can kind of understand it, but you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's three or four minutes out of your life, and you've got you know maybe ten thousand or however many thousand people there at your concert that are there for this thing, and even if you're doing like back-to-back gigs for two weeks. I mean, you know, a lot of people pay a lot of money to go see concerts now. And to me, you know, you're in the, you're in the business to entertain people. So to a certain extent, you should give them what they want, I think. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe because I'm a consumer, I'm, I'm more biased that way. But I don't know. I think, I, think, I think that's the way it should be. True. But I guess if you play the same song, I mean... I- it depends on how aggressively um, that band or artist has been gigging, but uh, you know, I, I think you're right. But um, yeah, it, it it is a phenomenon. I, I know um, the Cure are very famous for. If you go and see the Cure, um, they will play B sides. They will play rare tracks. They they will play anything but their hits. Sometimes, <laughs> um, same with. I think Morrissey can do is is does this as well. Um, I wonder if there's a correlation between how long an artist has been active and how more annoyed they are by playing of of playing their bigger hits and try and shy away from that sort of stuff. I wonder if there's a some sort of weird correlation between the two things. If you've been around for twenty years and you had like a monster hit <clears throat> from fifteen years ago. You know, do you, and you've been obviously gigging quite a lot, are you the kind of artist that will go, do you know what, I'm not playing that again. I've played it every single night for the last 15 years. I'm sick of playing it. Can't do it anymore. Yeah, uh, quite quite possibly. Um, Actually, Imran, I know you and I Mm. have had similar experiences with hip-hop concerts and... Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I, I think that you and I 
feel that um, jazz cafe aside, actually, but a lot of the hip hop gigs we we've uh, experienced experienced have been fairly badly organized and some quite dysfunctional performances. Am I right? Uh, I yes, I haven't really been to that many that I would say like you know that that hip hop stuff would have a reputation. But you've got a crazy MF Doom story, don't you, Dan? Is it? I don't know if it's that crazy, but um, I do have one. This was the one. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Was it? Oh, Roundhouse. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, so it, it was just one of those scenarios where it was supposed to be um, MF Doom and oh, I've forgotten the name of oh Ghostface. I think it was yeah, it was it was Ghostface Killer, and mm. turned up. Um, it started off. It it was late as a lot of concerts. I mean, that's not that unusual, I guess. But you know, it, it kicked off very late. Um, and MF Doom, he did his set. Um, and I remember thinking, yeah, it wasn't a particularly brilliant set, but it was okay. And the idea was that, um, that set was supposed to then run into several songs with Ghostface Killer. Like they were supposed to do stuff together, but for some reason his set just ended and he went off and then we were, you know, you kind of, you didn't expect things to stop, but they did. And then there was this, this long pause and all you could see on this giant screen um, behind the stage or at the back of, yeah, the back of the stage was someone's MacBook Pro desktop. And and it was like, why are we staring at someone's MacBook Pro desktop? Because they haven't, you know, nothing's been queued up, nothing's there. It was just really weird. And there, it, it, it went on forever. It was like, I swear it was about an hour gap. Might be exaggerating, but it, it, it just went on forever. And then, um, and then Ghostface came on. And he did some of, yeah, he did some songs. Um, and it got later and later and later. And they were already way past curfew. And he was just like, well, the whole point of this gig is it's supposed to be MF Doom and Ghostface Killer. And they at that time, they had a single out. And they were supposed to be uh, releasing an album, which I, I believe has never been released. It, it never has seen the light of day yet. Uh, but it was so funny because right at the end of the gig, it was like someone pushed MF Doom onto the stage. <laughs> and he just appeared from nowhere. He, they didn't, wow. he didn't go on. As far as I can remember, or at least if, if they were doing a song together, it didn't feel like it. All it felt like was... MF Doom got on the stage and just shouted a few things and randomly, you know, just kind of joined in. But it wasn't, you know, nothing about it was organised. Nothing about it was what was meant to have happened. Uh, and it was, it was just, it was just chaos and carnage. Everyone left going, "What the hell happened?" It was so badly disorganised. It was such a pig's ear of of a gig and. Um, and I've, I won't, I literally haven't got time to describe how many hip hop gigs I've seen that have been <laughs> like this. That have... Well, I mean, you paid you pay your money to see MF Doom and Ghostface Killer, right? Yeah. Did you see MF Doom and Ghostface Killer? <laughs> Are you their lawyer? Then you have nothing to complain. They didn't. I, I, I would imagine they didn't advertise it as MF Doom and Ghostface Killer in a well-organized <laughs> um, and professional gig. You got what you got what you paid for, my friend. Maybe. <laughs> so, out of all those that, that hot messes, Dan, what are you? What are you going to pick as your closer? <laughs> um, what are you going to send us home with? I think I should send us home with the one song. That I really, really wanted to hear played live because it, it's one of my favourite songs of all time, let alone just of the band The Eels. And 
seeing as TJ mentioned it as well, I'm going to go with Novocaine for the soul. Life is hard, and so am I. You better give me something so I don't die. 